and talk to them. Check one, two. It's on now. Check one, two. If we can get a live shot, go ahead and let them see me and let them know we are coming in. I can talk to them. Check one, two. It's on now. Check one, two. If we can get a live shot, go ahead and let them see me and let them know we are coming in. I can talk to them. All right. Check one, two. It's on now. So should we? Check one, two. Good evening, everybody. I see you're gathering in. There we go. On my Chromebook. Okay. So should we? Good evening, everybody. I see you're gathering in. There we go. On my Chromebook. Okay. So should we? Good evening, everybody. Let's go. All right. Good evening, everybody. You should have sound. You should have sound. No sound, Pastor. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. You should get sound in just a moment. Amen. You should get sound in just a moment. God bless you. It's 7 o'clock. If you got some sound, let's see a thumbs up now. If you got sound. Let's see. Thumbs up if you got sound. You should have sound by now. There you go. There you go. You got it. You got it. Everybody's got sound now. Now, everybody who said you didn't have sound, let me hear you say you had sound now. All right. All right. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. I see you. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Let's see. On Cade Online, I see... Uh, Mia, amen, good to see you Mia, Debbie Newton, God bless you, Sister Luster, God bless you, all right, we're, we're, we are, we got it this evening, we got it this evening, oh, oh, also, yeah, welcome to Jerusalem, Jerusalem Baptist Church, who's joining us tonight, uh, I wonder why Jerusalem is joining us tonight, I know why you're joining us, because you're a fine pastor, uh, is our guest for tonight, and so we welcome not only Kay Chapel, but we welcome Jerusalem Baptist Church as well tonight. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for sitting in with us and being a part 
uh, being a part of our Bible study for tonight. And thank you also for loaning your pastor to us for a while uh, and for allowing us to get into the, the meat of theology for tonight. It's so good to have each of you on tonight. It's a little rainy in Jackson, Mississippi. But the good news is, is that you can't blame it on the rain tonight. If you're not here tonight, it's not because of the weather. Amen. Because we're meeting virtually. And so we thank God uh, that we're able to meet in this platform and on this way. And I know, I know that as we continue in what uh, is just about week five now, week five now, in, and things uh, being different from our normal way of doing things, it's a new normal for us all across, uh, all across the world, uh, but particularly in our nation. Uh, and so I want to speak to some of some of you who are a little antsy right now, some of you who are perhaps a little anxious, settle down, settle down and settle in and buckle up. Amen. Settle down, settle in and buckle up. Don't get too anxious. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk right now about uh, relaxing things and opening things back up. Uh, let me tell you, we need to go. We need to go slow. We need to be thoughtful. We need to take all of the precautions. Uh, that we have been taking. Don't don't let up, people. Hear me. Don't let up. Give me just a moment and talk to you for a minute. Don't let up. You should still, you should still be using your hand sanitizer. Every time you go out and do something, make sure you get your hand sanitizer. Put it on. Spread it on. Amen. Use your hand sanitizer. Also, if you are going out, you should be still having your mask. That's right. You should still have your mask. If you're going out, you should not go out without a mask. Make sure you keep your mask with you. Also, you should still be washing your hands frequently and regularly and uh, spending at least 20 seconds, uh, hot water, soapy water, washing those hands. And if you don't remember the last time you washed your hands, you waited too long, go wash your hands right now. We'll wait for you, go wash your hands. Continue to wash your hands and make sure that you're doing those things that are necessary, that we stay safe. And I do believe this, uh, that we uh, we must continue to practice uh, the social distancing. We, we have to be careful uh, and take all the precautions necessary because this thing is not over. Don't fall for it. This thing is not over. Amen. Uh, it is not over. So let's, let's continue to press our way uh, doing those things that are necessary that we stay healthy and that we stay whole. Amen, somebody. Somebody say amen. I'm losing somebody. I'm losing y'all. Somebody say amen. Say amen. All right. Um, so again, thank you all. Thank you all for being here tonight. I want to, um, a couple of things I want to do before we get into the study. Uh, I want to, first of all, thank our K Chapel ministry leaders uh, for the very fine job that you are doing in adjusting uh, the various ministry platforms. I know that you are meeting with your ministry groups in various ways. Uh, to make sure that ministry continues. So I want to thank you for what you are doing. Um, you're making the adjustment and helping to make ministry continue. So thank you for that. Also want to remind you that this Friday and Saturday we are having our communion drive up and because we are observing communion on this uh, fourth Sunday, uh, this last Sunday of the month. And so we want you to come by Friday and Saturday from 10 to 1 p.m. from 10 a.m to 1 p.m. to pick up your communion, pick up your communion, pick up your communion. It's already been prepackaged, amen. And so all you got to do is drive up, drive up and get your prepackaged communion. Make sure you do that. If you cannot get by here, don't worry about it, folks, because remember, these are but symbols. There's no power in this bread. There's no power in this wine. These are but symbols. 
And if you can't get by and get it, don't worry. You've got a saltine cracker. Uh, you've got a Ritz cracker. You've got a piece of bread in your pantry. Uh, we know how to make it work. Amen. Amen. And so we will sanctify it, uh, these symbols, and we will celebrate and commemorate uh, the sacrifice of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, on this Sunday uh, by observing our Lord's Supper. Also, do want to remind you about our paid fund. We rolled out this past Sunday uh, the paid fund, which is has been established uh, for members here at Cade Chapel. If you have uh, been furloughed without pay, if you've been laid off of your job, if you are self-employed uh, and you have not been able to service your clientele because of the stay-at-home shelter-in-place orders, uh, then we want you to consider tonight um, uh, going to the paid fund and applying uh, for uh, assistance. Assistance is available for those members who qualify. Uh, it is not necessarily something that is automatic. There are some things in documentation uh, that you will need to present. Uh, there will be an interview process and some vetting that has to take place. Uh, but assuming that all of those things are in order, uh, we want to be a, of service and assistance to you. We recognize that people are going through this and hurting. People are at different levels. And so if you are on the other side of this and you're not affected, uh, you can also go to that page, kchapel.org, kchapel.org, O-R-G, and that you will see on that page the paid fund. Uh, if you scroll down, you will see the paid fund application. You will also see uh, the paid fund to donate. If you, can donate. if you can donate and you will, you can be a real blessing to some people, your brothers and your sisters whom you see, who you have seen every Sunday here, who are in real need, real need right now. And this is the time for the church to stand up, for the church to be the church. kchapel.org, you will see the paid fund, and you can be a blessing to somebody who's in real need right now. Some of you have gotten stimulus checks, and, and I've gotten the calls already. You said, Reverend, I, I, you know, I got the check, but I'm good. Guess what? You can be a blessing to somebody else, somebody else who has not even received a check yet. Amen. So I'm talking real good. You're just not saying anything. Uh, so let's be a blessing to our brothers and our sisters. Let's encourage one another. Let's not just pray for them, but let's be a real tangible blessing to someone else in need. Amen? Amen. That being said, listen, it's time to get into the Word tonight, and I want to thank uh, offhand, again, my friend, my brother, uh, for being our special guest tonight, uh, the Reverend Dennis Grant, uh, and we're going to hear a word from him uh, on the nature of God, the nature of God. Uh, why don't we go ahead and join uh, he and I in discussion? Good evening, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I greet you in the name of Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior. We thank you for joining us tonight for this second night in our series of Bible studies entitled Essential Faith in a Virtual World. This is uh, the second part of our discussion, and tonight, as I uh, promised on this past Sunday, we begin inviting special guest lecturers uh, who will lecture on particular facets of our faith. Essential faith means that we recognize that there are, there are key parts, key foundational aspects of our faith that do not change. These are things that, that we should be united on as the body of Christ. Uh, I believe it was Augustine who said that in the essentials, there should be unity in the non-essentials, uh, liberty, but in all things, charity. And tonight we want to start focusing in and drilling down on those things that are essential. 
Tonight, I'm delighted to have my brother and my friend, uh, the pastor of the Jerusalem Baptist Church of Brandon, Mississippi, Pastor Dennis Grant. Pastor Grant uh, is a native of Jackson, Mississippi. He attended the Jackson State University. I know I'm already getting some thumbs up for that right now. He was also a member of the Sonic Boom of the South. He played trombone in that in that great uh, that great band that we love to laud and applaud. Uh, but he also got his uh, undergraduate degree from Mississippi College uh, in in religion and is it Christian studies? I believe Christian studies and philosophy. He's currently enrolled in at uh, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary uh, for uh, the Master's in Christian Apologetics, and we continue to pray uh, for him in his. Uh, matriculation through that degree program. I'm delighted again to have him to join us as we begin this conversation, uh, kicking off our guest lecturers uh, for him to be our first lecturer. I'm excited uh, to begin this conversation. And tonight, tonight we want to start uh, in this, this conversation talking about the nature of God. Reverend Grant, are you with us tonight? Good evening. Good evening, good evening. Thank you for being with us, Dennis. So glad you could come and join us, man. Thanks so much for taking out your time of your schedule uh, to be a part of this study. We're talking about the nature of God, and and I know that one of your great mentors, uh, Reverend Walter Bowie, I, I shared with you uh, yesterday, I believe it was, that I was in my uh, in my archives and and listening to some uh, some some songs and some sermons, and I ran across uh, I ran across. Uh, a manuscript that was written by your mentor, Reverend Walter Bowie, entitled uh, The Preacher and His Preaching. Uh, mm -hmm. What an awesome gift and a treasure uh, he, he is and has been to the body of Christ. Of course, he's gone on to uh, to be with the Father in heaven, uh, but, but he poured immensely, I understand, into your uh, theological training and your, your foundation as a preacher. Why don't you share a little bit uh, maybe about him and as he uh, helped to form your, your, your theological framing uh, as you minister as a man of God. Sure, and thank you, Pastor Buckley, for having us here. Um, Pastor Bowie was a great inspiration to me. Uh, he's one of the smartest men in theology that I knew. Uh, he poured immense, not only into my life, but into the life of a whole lot of other pastors uh, who are still pastoring across the country. He came from uh, Chicago, Illinois, uh, pastored in uh, Southern Illinois before he came to uh, Mississippi. Uh, we met in 1984 at one of the uh, Crusades for Christ that we had there and just struck up a great friendship. And he began to mentor me in uh, the Word of God and theology. And uh, again, uh, I owe a lot to the Reverend Walter Bowie Jr. Uh, for what he's done in my life. Yeah, yeah. He, he pastored Mount Helm for a while and then he went on to found. Uh, the Koinonia Baptist Church. Uh, correct. Here, right? That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. Great, great man. Great man of God. Well, uh, Reverend, Reverend Grant, uh, you, listen, you have the floor. We want to talk about the nature of God. I'm just going to put it in your hands. And what we'll do is is come back and uh, share in some back and forth and, and then get into some Q&A. Sure, sure. Thank you again, Pastor Buckley. And good evening to each of you uh, who's tuned in. Uh, I'm delighted to be a part of this discussion that I believe to be of critical importance at this juncture in time. Uh, since time is of the essence, I will not belabor you with uh, more comments than necessary, but I do want to applaud and commend Pastor Buckley and his staff for putting this format together. And 
I'm really humbled to be sharing uh, with you this evening. There's no greater topic in my mind to discuss than that of theology. And I know that many uh, say, well, you'll say that because you are a preacher, you're a pastor, and what else should we expect you to say? But I want to set the record straight this evening by saying that uh, it's not just preachers and pastors who are theologians, but every man is a theologian. Uh, we usually think of theology or Christian doctrine as the study for preachers and other scholars, and that uh, it's far above the heads of the average person in the pew. But nothing could be further from the truth. Every man has a theology. In other words, every person has a basic outlook on life that colors all that he sees. And that basic outlook is your theology. Now, it may be an incorrect theology. It may not be as informed as others' theology. Uh, it may be highly refined in the various doctrinal positions of what is known as systematic theology. But whatever the case is, every man is a theologian. Uh, no man is without prejudice. No man is neutral. Uh, no man can be objective. Only God has total objectivity. And the task of Christian education, uh, which is what this uh, uh, class, is, this study tonight is involved with, is to aid us to increasingly bring our theology or our basic outlook in life into conformity with the Word of God. See, we need to understand that uh, theology is not just a department of life. Theology is the foundation of life. Uh, oftentimes when we think of theology, we think of it in just as another aspect or some segment of life, but really, you know, theology undergirds all of life, you know, whether it's politics, whether it's law, education, recreation, uh, the arts, or any area in life, theology has something to say about it. So I want to begin uh, with some definitions, if I may, uh, on theology. Uh, what is theology? Well, uh, William Ames, a uh, great theologian, said, theology is the doctrine or the teaching of living for God. Uh, William Cunningham, another great theologian, said, theology is the knowledge of God and of divine things derived from the sacred scriptures. And then uh, someone who we're very familiar with, uh, Dr. Tony Evans, uh, said that theology is learning and organizing and communicating the truths about God as revealed in his word. And then there's one uh, quote about theology or one definition of theology that I really love. And it's by Dr. David Wells. David Wells says, theology is the sustained effort to know the character, will, and acts of the triune God as he has disclosed himself and interpreted these things for his people in the scriptures in order that we may know him, learn to think his thoughts after him, live our lives in the, his world on his terms, and by thought and action, project his truth into our own time and culture. And you know, I think Wells' uh, definition covers it well, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, so, you know, at Jerusalem, we've been studying uh, the book of Job, and, uh, for the most part, it's one book that many people feel uh, they're pretty familiar with. Uh, we're familiar with Job's losses to his, with his children and uh, his material possessions, his health, his uh, sufferings in totality, uh, the accusations of 
uh, Job's friend about why he was suffering and uh, you know, Job's own questions of uh, how and why God was dealing him with the way that he was dealing with him. But no matter where we find ourselves in studying a particular chapter in Job, as we've been studying it, we always seem to return verse in Job that um, kind of has become the highlight verse for me. And that verse is uh, in Job chapter 42, uh, verses 7 through 8. And there it says, uh, here again, after Job's friend have, you know, given their opinions and views about uh, why God was dealing with Job and what he'd been doing, uh, God says this to, to his friends. He says, listen, he said, after the Lord spoke to Job, the Lord spoke to Eliphaz the Temanite. He says, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job had. Therefore, take unto you seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and he shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that you have not spoken of me the things which is right, like my servant Job. I mean, you know, God tells Job's friends that everything you said about me and about Job and how I'm dealing with Job is incorrect. Right, right. And, uh, that's kind of scary because oftentimes we say stuff about God that God does not agree with. So from uh, the words of God himself, it's of utmost important that we make sure that what we say about God is right. That is why this discussion in the essentials of the faith, uh, beginning with God, is so critical. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, the great apologist and theologian, said this. He said, there are theologians in the bottom of hell who are more interested in their own thoughts about God than in God himself. So we have to ask ourselves, what do we believe about God? I want to begin with uh, words taken from the second article of faith, which we ascribe to as Baptists, and it's derived from the New Hampshire uh, Baptist Declaration of Faith. Uh, there's a variation of this article that's found in the back of our National Baptist Hymn Book, the red hymn books. And so uh, our hymn book... Not, not the green one. You're not the green one. Not the green one. <laughs> yeah, I remember the green one and the white ones. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in that red book, you know, it's not just hymns and songs in there, but in the back it has the articles of faith that we believe. And uh, that article is very important to the core beliefs of what we believe, not just as Baptists, but as Christians uh, worldwide. Uh, and let me also say this, that uh, depending on the, the version in which you read, because of course the articles are, they vary, uh, they still carry the same essential and core teaching or doctrine about God. So let me just read what that article says, if, if you would indulge me just for a moment. Uh, it says about the true God. It says, we believe the scriptures to teach that there is one and only one living and true God, an infinite, intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, preserver, and ruler of the universe, infinite in holiness, and all other perfections to whom we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. He is revealed to us as Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit, each with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. Um, here in Article 2, there are two particular areas that I want to emphasize for us tonight. Uh, first is God as creator of the universe. And the second is, as the creator of the universe, he is also the ruler or the sovereign of the universe. Now, we need to understand that my opinion does not matter. Uh, your personal opinion does not matter. But what does matter is what God says about himself. And as has already been noted, the scriptures, the Bible, is God's self-revelation to us about himself. Uh, I remember when uh, I was trying to date my, my wife. Now, we've been married uh, 33 years, praise God. And I remember when we first met, and I wanted to get to know her. Well, instead of me calling her, I was calling her sister. Talking to her sister, you know, about two to three weeks. And her sister said, finally said, look, Danny, if you want to get to know me, you need to call and talk to her because she knows herself better than I do. And what I'm saying is that if we want to get to know God, we need to see what God says to us from his own word and not just have our opinions about him. Because many times we say things about God that, you know, may not really represent his true character. Uh, you know, for example, I'm sorry, you know, he's not the man upstairs. And I know we say that, and I understand what people mean by that, but he's not just the man upstairs. He's a holy, a sovereign, a righteous God, the creator of the universe. And uh, we need to understand that, and we need to recognize him uh, as that, particularly in the times we're living in now. Uh, we need to understand that in the great expanse of eternity, which stretches behind uh, before Genesis 1-1, and we know Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, before the universe existed, God dwelt alone. Uh, God did not need nothing to fulfill himself. Uh, he did not need anybody to make him God. He was going to be God whether he created or not. But according to the, his own purpose of his own will, God out of nothing created all that exists. Uh, in other words, he created what we call ex nihilo. Uh, he created for himself and for his own pleasure and for his own glory. And so, yes, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, Psalm 19-1 says, the heaven declared the glory of God and the firmament showed his handiwork. Uh, a very familiar passage in Psalm 90 and 2, which we often hear read at funerals, uh, but it's apropos for us uh, at all times. It says, uh, before the mountains were brought forth, ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Uh, Colossians 1.16 tells us that all things were created by him and for him. Uh, and then uh, two of my two verses that are really important to me, uh, Hebrews 11.3 says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made with the things which do appear. In other words, God didn't take some stuff that was here and create the world. It was nothing here. It was just God. And so God took nothing and made everything. And then Revelation 4.11, and I'll move on, uh, says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, 
to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were and are created. Now, each of these passages of scripture that I reference, they give witness to God as creator. But just knowing that the Bible says these things is not enough for us. Uh, what does it mean? I mean, uh, uh, what does it mean for us in practice? And what are the implications of knowing that God is creator? Well, I think it's important that because uh, that we know that God's creator, uh, it'll help us to see why theories of evolution uh, are evil uh, and, and, and incorrect. Uh, God didn't just happen, okay? And the world didn't just, bang, come into being. You know, uh, uh, people always talk about, you know, do I believe in the Big Bang Theory? Uh, yeah, in a sense, I do. Uh, I believe that God said, bang, and everything came into existence, you know? Uh, but random atoms just popping out, those things. No, God created the heavens and the earth. And we have to be sure that we understand uh, that he's creator. Uh, I think understanding who God is as creator will help us to understand that God can give, can withhold or retake uh, for himself whatever he wants to do. That's why Job was able to say, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, we also understand that because God's creator, we live in a day where everybody's talking about their rights. Well, if God is creator and the sole disposal of everything and sovereign, then we have to realize that our only rights are those that God gives us. So, you know, everybody's fighting for their rights. The problem happens in society today is that we fight for rights that, you know, have been, I would say, uh, uh, evilized in a sense by uh, evil men. You know, we want to have rights over other people and do certain things that God's not pleased with. But when we understand him as creator and that he's sovereign, uh, which is the next thing that I want to talk about when we get there, uh, that it'll help us change our thinking and our thought process. Uh, it'll help us uh, expand our interests and our concerns uh, about talking about God in the right way. You know, understanding that he's in control of all things no matter what's going on, because he not only created stuff for himself, but he's sovereign and he's in control. And I think that's so important, particularly now in what we're facing uh, going on now, uh, because of the fact that, you know, uh, everybody's wondering where God is. Well, God is still doing what he's been doing. I was, I was finishing the scriptures and I was talking about, you know, what should we do with those scriptures, how to put it into practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last thing I said was, you know, it ought to help us to expand our interests and our concerns about, you know, and, and use our minds more of thinking about God and not just having a feeling relationship, but know that God wants us to, um, uh, you know, get to really know him intellectually as well. You know, uh, and then I was getting ready to go into the implications as far as, you know, are there adjustments I need to make in my own thinking? Are there ideas that I need to embrace that I, thoughts I've had about God that I need to change based on my understanding what the scripture really says about him? Rather than people, you know, um, um, saying what they've heard about God. 
like people say, you know, well, he's just a man upstairs. No, he's more than a man upstairs. You know, so things will say about God that really does the, does not do God any justice for who he really is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the thing that I believe that people need to understand, particularly in this day and time we live in now. You know, people are wondering where is God? Where is God? Well, he's the the, the, the article said he's a personal being. He is personally involved with us. He is doing what he's always been doing. It's just that we haven't taken time to be still and know that he's God. Okay? Uh, so so he's not only created, but he's sovereign. And to be sovereign that he runs everything, it, it, it declares, sovereignty declares the godhood of God. He's the sole owner, the, the disposer of everything. He, he possesses heaven and earth, so he's in control of everything, even at a time like this. So, so Dennis, if, if I could for just a minute, um, when you when you mentioned that article um, mm -hmm. and you read it, the, the the first thing that stood out uh, for me was was the the, the phrase, "We believe uh, in, in the one God, the one true God." Mm -hmm. um, even even before even before talking about him as creator, even before introducing the idea of sovereignty and the idea of fatherhood. There is this idea of, of oneness, mm -hmm. this idea of oneness. Um, when we talk about the nature of God, why why is that important? That that we believe that there is one one God. Why 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 is that critically important when we talk about essential faith? Well, I think it's important because uh, that's how God has revealed Himself to us. He's not many gods, uh, although people think that you know. I mean, He's revealed Himself as the Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I think by us understanding that it distinguishes him from other religions. You know, our believing that God is one God, you know, distinguishes him from the other uh, religious beliefs that's out there. Uh, and know that because he is one God, uh, that was the issue that, that, that Egypt had with God. You know, when God put the, sent the plagues upon Egypt, they believed that. Uh, they had a God for everything. You know, if we need some water, we're going to call on the water God. If we need some heat, we call on the heat God. If we need the sun, we call on the sun God. But the God that we serve according to the scriptures is one. He has all of that. Uh, he doesn't need anybody else. And because he is the one true God, uh, he's able to manifest himself uh, uh, through the person of Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, uh, distinct personal attributes, but no divisions of nature, essence, or being. And I think it's important that we understand that here's a God who does not change in any aspect. You know, uh, here's a God that we can count on. Here's a God we can trust. Uh, and it's important for us to know that you know He's one. That was Israel's uh, whole uh, mindset uh, in Deuteronomy. Hero is the Lord our God is one. That, that was essential for, for God's people at that time, and essential for us now, that we don't serve a different God. We, we serve one God, because he's the only creator. It wasn't a bunch of different gods that created the world. Only one God created the world. And that's so important for us to know that. Uh, and that's why I believe that's so important, man. So you bring up that, that, that scripture, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is, is one Lord, one God. Um, in 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 Paul, 
Paul's letter, uh, he, he says one one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This mm -hmm. idea of, of of unity or oneness, um, yet expressed uh, in in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. um, and so, as as we as we, um, I, I guess the backdrop of of belief uh, in this in this modern age, this new this sort of new ageism. Uh, which, which oftentimes uh, presents many paths, uh, mm -hmm. or or many many ideas, or many ways, uh, juxtaposed to this 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 critical essential part of Christian doctrine that no, there are not many, there are not many that I'm one God, I'm one God expressed uh, as Father, Son, and Spirit. Why is why is Father, Son, and Spirit some would say different from many gods. Well, I think it's different from the aspect that that how God presents himself to us. Uh, if we have many gods, then those many gods have many paths. Okay. But since God is one, there's only one path. There's only one way to God, and it's expressed the way he said, here's how you get to know me. Uh, and you know, if we have many gods, then we we can have a uh, come up with our own idea about God, how we think we ought to get to Him. Everybody say, you know, people oftentimes say use the term say, well, you know, as long as you sincere in what you believe, you okay. Well, I could be sincerely wrong because I'm doing it based on what I'm feeling. God is no, here's what God has said about Himself. That's why that first article that is so important is about the scriptures. We believe what the scriptures said about God. And if we believe what the scriptures said about God, because God has revealed himself in the scriptures, it's a consistent monotheistic view of who God is, which it does not change his person. You know, uh, he's revealed himself to us as father, as son. Holy Spirit, so that he can't identify with us personally. The Bible says God is spirit. Okay, So, but because we are material, he had to be able to really identify with us. He became Emmanuel, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, so that he could deal with us in our sin. Yeah. So, so if I could, uh, unpack a few terms for us. Uh, okay. You just used one, monotheism. Um polytheism, uh, and then unpack maybe deism versus theism. Okay. Uh, those terms, I think, might be critically important for us to be able to distinguish. Okay, okay. Monotheism is the belief in one God, mono, one single, theo, theism, God, one God. Poly uh, means, you know, many. Polytheism, belief in many gods, Okay. Uh, that deism comes from the dual uh, nature. Uh, the deism where, where uh, there's this, this God who, yeah, he's a part to create the world, but then he you know, put the world out there and let it go. Uh, God, when he revealed himself to Israel, and as he reveals himself to us now, is one God. They're not, you know, it, Egypt had many gods. They were polytheistic in their in their thinking, in their way of living, in their beliefs. And God had to show them that 
You know, he's one God. Uh, and because of that, this one God has one way to get to him, himself. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Because Jesus is God revealed to us in flesh. Uh, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That was so important so that he could deal with our sins, deal with us as sinners. Uh, and here, here, here's just, this is just God's way of dealing with his creation. So, so uh, let, let's take that, the, that okay. God deals with his creation. Okay. Uh, uh, that, that God is, is, he is the creator okay. and he relates to his creation. He is not detached from it, but rather remains uh, interconnected with it. He, he, is inter he has relationship with us. How do we right. then understand um, th this moment that we're in, this, this pandemic um, of COVID-19 uh, mm -hmm. through the lens of, of, of a God who is re in relationship with his creation? If he is in relationship with the creation, if he is in fact the creator, does mm -hmm. he not have power over this thing that this invisible monster that is called that is just seemingly overtaking the world where is god the creator who is in relationship with creation yet mm -hmm. seems to be i don't know where is he some would say well uh job job uh, mentioned that you know when job was going through his ordeal and in job 23 job says you know uh, I look on the left, I can't find him. Uh, I look on the right hand, you know, he's not there. Uh, he seems to be hiding from me. But then Job says, but he knows the way I take. And when he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job, even going through his suffering, understood that even though he couldn't find where God was, God knew where he was. And with us, I think God identifies with us. Yeah, he is created. He's created this world. This world is tainted with sin. But God is still involved with us uh, because he, the, the, the article said, he's a personal being. He's not just left us alone. He's a personal being. And what I can say we're seeing is the fact that, yeah, he's allowing some things to happen that we may not be able to figure out or understand. We can't, as someone said, we can't uh, track him or trace him. We just need to trust him. And all the time, God will not tell us why he's doing this. God never told Job why he went through what he went through. But because he's created and sovereign, he doesn't have to. He's the only one have the right to do that. And so where we are now and what we're going through and facing these times, uh, we need to believe based on what God has said about himself. He is with us. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, uh, uh, verse 15 says, For we have a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all point tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, Christ, who is the very express image of God the Father, according to Colossians, can identify with what we're going through. 
that makes God able to identify with us because he tabernacled or he dwelt with us for some time. And so I think when we understand God's nature, understand that yeah, he is a creator God. He's a sovereign God. The Bible says he's also a personal God. He understands us because he created us. He created us in his image with the capacity to know him intimately. Uh, and he has not just flung us out there and let whatever happens, happens. No. He is involved, even though we're suffering different things, not just you know, the coronavirus e uh, pandemic, but other things that happen in the world. God is concerned about his creation. We just have to be sure we're trusting him in spite of it. Uh, but Dennis, what, what, do you say, what do you say to the person who mm -hmm. really struggles with believing um, in, in a God uh, who allows suffering? Right, it's it's an age-old question. Many volumes uh, have been written on it. But but how do you how do you in today as a Christian apologetic, mm -hmm. um, how do you answer that person who really struggles with can I love? Can I trust? Can I follow a God who seems to be so far away from me when I when I when I'm going through when I'm watching my loved one? Um, in a hospital and I can't get to them. Um, and I'm, I'm watching that loved one die literally uh, on FaceTime. Mm -hmm. How do I trust that God? What do you say to that person? You know, I don't want to sound, uh, I don't know what the word to use, but you know, in a situation like that, I've been able to trust God when those things were not happening. Okay. And let me just try to do it this way. But now I'm in a different situation where it's happening. Has God changed? Or am I looking at things? Do I understand the nature of what's really happening? I need to encourage them to know that God has not changed. We are dealing with the effects of sin. Or we've been dealing with the effects of sin since man was created. The whole earth groans. The whole earth travails. The whole world is in pain. And it seems like God is not caring because many will say, well, if God was, and this is the age old question about the existence of God, if God is good, can he not stop this evil? If he's all powerful, can he not stop this evil? Sure he can. But then what you get into then, Brother Reginald, is the fact that if God kept all these things away, as far as, you know, evil and all these things, then how would we relate him as free beings? bring in the free will, you're going to bring in the free will issue there now. That we can choose to love God as a as a free as a free being rather than being coerced to love him. And having that, that's what was messed up from the beginning of time. Uh, when Adam sinned, we lost that free will. We lost that. Man was corrupted. And God had to come and fix it for us through the person of Jesus Christ. We're still dealing with the consequences of those sins. We're still dealing with that. And we see it every day. And, you know, for the person who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to be hard for them to understand that. Uh, the Bible tells us that uh, the natural man receives not the things of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And 
that's why us knowing the nature of God, knowing that if I know that God is love, if I know that God is is just, and that's actually what you're asking about these evil things. It's an uh, aspect of theology called theodicy, you know, uh, justice of God. And those are questions, man, that's something that's been going on since the beginning of time that we wrestle with to try to understand, God, how can we trust you when you're letting these things happen? How can we trust a God who can stop it, but he's not stopping? Well, it's that we don't see things from God's perspective. We only see what we see. Well, what does God see? Uh, it was, it, I shared with you, there were some ladies who were, George told some ladies who were studying uh, in the book of Malachi, and it talks about him being a refiner of fire and a purifier of silver. And they need to understand, this lady want to understand what that really meant. So one of the ladies of the class went to uh, the local silversmith, and she didn't tell him why she wanted to come, but she set him up on to go see how he worked with silver. So when she got there, uh, he had the fire going, he got the silver on the tongs, and he had it sitting in the midst of the fire. And she asked him, said, you know, do you have to keep that silver in the middle of the fire? He said, well, yes, I do. He said, because if I don't keep it in the middle of the fire, I can't get all the impurities out of it. Okay, so he kept watching it. Then she said, well, let me ask you this question. You have to keep looking at it and you know, keep your eyes on it. He said, well, yeah, I got to keep my eyes on it because I want to be sure that it does what it needs to do in the fire. I, I'm never, I never take my eyes off it. I'm always watching it. Then he said, well, how do you know it's ready? He said, well, that's easy. I know it's ready when I can see my image in it. And what I believe, she learned that if God, yeah, sometimes he has us in the fire in the fire of a pandemic. We're in the fire of cancer. We're in the fire of, you know, atrocities in the world. We're in the fire. But remember, that silversmith never took his eyes off that silver. And that fire was purifying. And even though we're in the midst of these things, God is watching us because he's trying to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And sometimes it takes some pain. Sometimes it takes some suffering because we're in the world of sin. But understand that we serve a God who is love, compassion, holy, he's just. Um, uh, see, we have to take all those attributes of God into, in, in, into account because, you know, he's just, he's not just a God of love that just loves us all the time. You know, yeah, he does, but, you know, sometimes God, God is... So this, this, this idea then of affliction, the psalmist, uh, uses that word before I was afflicted. Mm -hmm. um, this, this, and you you bring up the the, the refiner's fire, the, mm -hmm. the furnace of affliction. Um, that 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 in in suffering, in persecution, in pain, in affliction, that there is a perfecting that can take place. What? Uh, and so you know. I wonder, I wonder, I guess there are many things that God could be up to in this, right? There, there, and none of us could know that that completely and, 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 and for sure. But we can certainly say that based on scripture, that hardships 
do something for the heart of men. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, um, no, verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've kept thy word. Uh, he then goes on to say uh, in uh, Psalm 119, verse 71, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn by statutes. I mean, sometimes those afflictions, those things we go through, help us to get closer to God so that we can be doing, his, you know, as well say, doing, thinking his thoughts and living his world on his terms. We have got to a point where we, you know, have, you know, uh, I say just kind of uh, looked at God. We, we've sown to the wind and we're reaping the whirlwind now. We've forgotten that righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is reproach among the people. We've forgotten those things. And I believe that, you know, people won't say, well, is God punishing us? Well, I think he's bringing us to a, a reminder that he's God and he's in control. That he runs things. And until we give him uh, as young folks, we better recognize. You know, uh, I can't say for sure what God's exactly doing, but I know there's some things we can learn out of what He's doing, or what He's allowing to be done. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you, you look at you look at um, I don't know just how the church itself has responded, it has been forced to respond mm -hmm. uh, because of the the situation itself and. You, we we read we read Romans eight and twenty eight all the time. All things work together for the good. You know, who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. And we we try to envision and look toward what the good is that could come out of hardship, that could come out of affliction, mm -hmm. and and maybe some of the good is you know when we look at when we look at yeah that that church buildings are by and large empty across this nation. And yet, there's still church houses everywhere. Sure, sure, sure. Right, because we, we are literally having church at home. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and so you almost get this act, early church kind of uh, moment where, where the church is exploding under crisis. Uh, the church is, is, is exploding in growth under this persecution uh, moment, and 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 so, yeah, it, it's it's almost like how God doesn't necessarily cause it, but He certainly uses it for the advancement of His own of His own kingdom and His own glory. Sure, you, you know, you you reference you reference uh, Romans eight twenty eight. You know, all things work together for good. Yeah, to to them who love the Lord, to them who are called according to very important. His purposes. We oftentimes look at that as okay, it's just got to turn out for my good. Good or bad, it's going to be for my good. But what does God get out of that? It's got to be for His purposes because He's created and sovereign. And yes, yeah, so all these things are still flourishing. You know, the church houses are vacant, but the church, the body of Christ, is still connected by the third person of the Trinity God, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm reminded of Jesus when he talked to, met the woman at the uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, and she began to question him about religions, religious you know things, and said, "No, we worship in the mountains. You said worship is at Jerusalem." And 
what Jesus said. Well, there's going to come a time where ye neither going to worship in the mountain, Mount Gazim, or in Jerusalem. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what do we have to do now? We can't go to the temple at Jerusalem. We can't come to Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church. We can't go to K Missionary Baptist Church as a collective body under the circumstances. But we still can worship a holy God because he's omnipresent. He's there everywhere. And he's sustaining us. He's keeping us. And so I think a, a, a understanding of how God is operating and what he still can do under the circumstances does not negate what's happening even in our own circumstances. He's still God. We just got to get on his page, his way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a um, so, something I've, I've said in some teachings before that we got to understand this does, this does not surprise God. No, God is not sitting in heaven scratching his head, wondering how did all this happen, and you know, shocked that it's come to right. this. That right. that the omniscient God has seen all of this. Right. He's eternal, first and last, beginning and end, from everlasting to everlasting. So, so surely in his in 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 his omniscience, in his foresight, in his ability to see all things. He's not surprised by this, yet there is this space of the tension of his omniscience and his omnipotence, mm -hmm. that tension of him knowing and him doing, right? If right. he knows, then, then, then why isn't he doing? And I think that's the tension that a, that a lot of people, um, even believers, uh, have sometimes. Right. Well, yeah, he, he he's doing what he wants to do. <laughs> you know, he is doing. He may not be doing what we think he ought to be doing. You know, my children don't think I do what I ought to do for them all the time. But I'm daddy. I know what's best. Well, I'm nowhere compared to God. But since God is sovereign, he created, he does what he knows is best for his creation in spite of what he's allowing to go on. Because he's, 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 he's controlling that. You know, I thought about something as you were sharing that. You remember uh, Israel was in Egypt and been in bondage for years. Years. And Moses came and asked God, God, do you not hear the affliction of your people? And God said, yeah, I, I hear the affliction. I've heard it all the time. Matter of fact, I'm the one who put them in there. <laughs> I'm the one who allowed them to go into bondage. I'm the one who allowed this to happen so y'all can get to know who I am. Now, Israel was part of it because they disobeyed God and God allowed them. But he said, after 400 years, I'm going to bring you out. I have a timetable that I'm doing what I'm doing for my own pleasure because I'm God. And God is the only one who can say that. It's not arrogancy. It's just the fact that he's creator and he's sovereign. And we are subject to him, to rever him, to obey him. People have a problem with that because they have a problem with God's sovereignty. Because they think, as uh, 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 I think his name was William Henley uh, stated in his form Invictus, I'm the captain of my, master of my soul, the captain of my faith. No, I'm not. God controls all this stuff. And until we recognize that he is God, we'll still have, the, we're going to have the issues. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ, 
has come to take care of these things. This is why Jesus said in John 16, 33, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. You're going to have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. And God has his plan that he's working. We've just got to get in line with his plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, one last thing that, that at least comes to mind, you, you brought it up um, uh, uh, just a bit in, in, in your uh, talk. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about, about creation and nature. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and th this, this God who, who, who created nature, this God who... who um, who remains involved in his his world? This is our father's world. Mm -hmm. uh, he re yet remains involved in this world. And I wonder, I wonder, um, you know, how we as uh, the stewards of of God's world, um, if our stewardship um, is something that should be considered in this moment you know that there have been reports uh, over in China where this started that um, since the pandemic has spread and since there have been all of this stay-at-home shelter-in-place orders uh, that the air quality uh, has improved and where there was all of this smog uh, that that covered the air uh, that that suddenly because corporations have shut down and and all of these emissions are not going into the air, that the air quality has improved, that suddenly you can see the sky and the stars where you couldn't see all of that before. And you, you've talked a little bit about the earth groaning and moaning. And I wonder um, if, if, if in some of this, uh, that, that the earth, um, I don't know, has needed time to sort of reset and, 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 and in our being still, mm -hmm. uh, that God's creation and the nature uh, is, is somehow regenerating itself. I don't. I, I'm do something with those disconnected thoughts, please. Dan. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not an, an ecologist, uh, but I, I think you're onto something there, uh, because the world is infected with sin. Uh, we think back that God created the heaven and the earth. He created the you know man from the earth. He created the, uh, the trees. He created the oceans. He created everything. Then he gave man dominion. He said, "Take care of this. Okay, take care of what I'm giving you." And we can see because of sin, because of our greed, because of so many other things, we've not really taken care of what God has given us. And because of that, whether it's air pollution, whether it's a hole in the ozone layer, whether it's the ecological system being unbalanced, whether it's you know gas and all this other stuff, you know, I like I said, I don't, I can't speak to that from an expert standpoint. But just think about it: we've continued to pollute God's creation. It's just like God made our bodies, and sometimes our bodies can heal themselves with extended rest without any medicines or certain things. But when we start injecting a lot of stuff in us, there are side effects that are sometimes worse than what we really are trying to uh, stop from happening to us. Well, I think there's a lot of side effects that's been happening in the world, in the ecology, 
in nature because we have not been still. We've, you know, and now as you say, you know, is it a reset? I mean, for lack of a better term, you know, I, I'll accept that. That is beginning to be able to function in the way God intended to function without him having to come in and recreate, you know, you know as he did with, with, with Noah, you know, uh, uh, you know, let me just wipe all this out. It's like on our computer, hit the reset button, okay. We're not doing those bad things. We're not polluting the air anymore. We're not polluting the oceans anymore. Well, when those things happen, then you get the cleanliness coming back. Uh, you remember when the, the Bible talks about God, it repented to God, that he did this, he did that. And people think that God's repentance is, diff is the same as all. Well, God doesn't have to repent for anything. What the scripture is saying is that God says, if you do this, then this will happen. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. Well, when we stop doing those things that's polluting and corrupting the earth, then the good things that God has for us will happen. It's not that God is doing anything different. It's just that we've stopped doing the things he told us not to do. Yeah. And so we can get back into... Uh, of the natural order of things are things being as prosperous and things being as clear and, and better like they were in the beginning because we stopped doing what God told us not to do in the first place. Well, Dennis, we're, we're out of time, but before we go, um, you know, I think sometimes uh, our, our people, our members, uh, look at us as pastors uh, and preachers and, and maybe some armchair theologians here and there. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, don't always think of us as just people, uh, people who are are sheltering at home as well, people who are wearing uh, face masks uh, like everybody else, people who are who have to, you know, who are following the same. So, so I, I guess if you could just talk to us a little bit, um, um, you know, as a pastor, but also as a person, um, mm -hmm. uh, how, how are you as a person? Um, person of faith how are you dealing with this on a day-to-day -day basis and and how are you um or what are you expecting as a pastor um you know as this goes on what, what are your what are your what are your best guesses about um how long and and what the church will look like when this is all over um give us some parting thoughts on that well from a personal standpoint you know uh, I'm listening to the health experts because I'm not a health expert. Uh, I'm con concerned about my own family. So, you know, I have my mask. If I have to get out, I'm using my mask. I have my gloves. Uh, I'm trying not to do those things that we've been asked not to do because as a Christian, I want to be a good Christian citizen. Yep. And I think it goes to motive as a pastor. If I'm leading people, I've got to be the first example that if I say, okay, well, you know, I'm a preacher and and I'm trusting God and he's going to take care of me, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I got the blood of Jesus over me. No, I'm, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to utilize what information is available. I think that's what Paul would say. When Paul would say, brother, I would not have you to be ignorant of such and such a thing. I think Paul was saying, listen, there's information available that you need to utilize. And there's information available to us from the medical profession, from the health experts, you know, 
that here's what we need to do. So I'm doing that from a personal standpoint and trying to be sure that I protect my family through this. I don't think it has anything to do with my faith or not believing in God because I'm trusting God. God has given us wise people, doctors and, and health professionals and researchers to help us make those type of decisions. So I'm doing that. Uh, from the church perspective, I believe that my prayer is that as God allows us to come back to congregate at our churches, that we'll be more fervent and really focus on what's really essential uh, using what this study is about. Do what's essential at church, that, we, that we'll be worshiping him, focusing on him and not our own programs and our platforms, that, that you know, we just won't be going through the motions and the motions have no meaning that we will really be worshiping God and doing those things to help his people to lead a life well-pleasing to him. So uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm believing, uh, Brother Richard, that, you know, in God's time, you know, and as long as he wants to do this, hey, it's in his hand. I, I was listening to um, uh, Ralph West earlier this morning uh, yes. over in, over in uh, Houston, and he was saying that his hope was that um, that as pastors and as preachers, particularly young pre younger preachers, uh, that that they would be more Christ-centered in their preaching. Uh, that oftentimes we can we can sometimes get on tangents and and even our own personal um, uh, platitudes or, or or our personal uh, leanings and things that interest us can sometimes divert our preaching from the centrality or the essentialness uh, of Christ, Christ being at the center. Uh, and I, I like the way you put it, that, that uh, after this is all over, as we focused on essential workers, essential businesses, that we as a church uh, need to come back to what's essential in our preaching, essential uh, to ministry itself, that being uh, Christ being the center of it. Right. Yeah. Well, Dennis, thanks so much for being our, our guest. I, I want to uh, appreciate you and and uh, thank you for being a brother, uh, for working with us and 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 uh, allowing God to use you in this format and in this venue uh, to to share with us the nature of God uh, in these changing times. I'm glad uh, that that though the times change and though uh, we we are in a virtual world, you might say. Uh, that, that God is still real. He's very much so real. Uh, the songwriter said, how do you know he's real? Because I feel him in my soul. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. thank you, Dennis. Thank you so much for being with us. Our prayers uh, are with you, and we pray that God will continue to bless you, your family, and the Jerusalem Baptist Church there in Brandon, Mississippi. God bless you, and God keep you. Listen, K Chapel, thank you for joining us and all who are joining us this, this evening. Uh, for our Bible study. Thank you for being a part of it. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your participation uh, in, in sending us uh, uh, questions online and chatting with us. Uh, we're going to do our best to answer uh, as, as we have already. We'll continue to do that offline as well. God bless you and God keep you as our prayer. We'll see you next Wednesday.